Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Jeremiah. Old Testament book of Jeremiah and the last chapter of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 52. And we now find our way as we're continuing. We're also going to see that the lineage does not end. Just those who are sitting on the throne are going to be ended. But the lineage will still go on. And of course, there's a lot of mess that has gone on before the king ahead of time, before Jehoiachin, which we're covering tonight, his father Jehoiakim, who was an evil king so much that he tore up God's word and God had put a curse upon his father. But let's see the end of Jehoiachin, and we're going to place an emphasis on Jehoiakim and Jehoiachin tonight to make sure that we can get those names straight and organized. But look with me, if you don't mind, in the book of Jeremiah, chapter number 52. Jeremiah, chapter 52, and notice with me, starting at verse number 31. Jeremiah 52, and in verse number 31, notice the word of God. Jeremiah 52, and verse 31 and it came to pass in the seven and thirtieth year of the captivity of Jehoiachin, king of Judah, in the twelfth month and the five and twentieth day of the month, that evil Merodach, king of Babylon, in the first year of his reign, lifted up the head of Jehoiachin, king of Judah, and brought him forth out of prison, and spake kindly unto him, and set his throne above the throne of the kings that were with him in Babylon, and changed his prison garments, and he did continually eat bread before him all the days of his life. And for his diet, there was a continual diet given of him of the king of Babylon, every day a portion until the day of his death, all the days of his life. And if you don't mind, as we do a character study on the last king of Judah that's in this lineage of Christ, this king called, whose name is Jehoiachin, Jehoiachin, notice the phrase in Jeremiah 52. Jeremiah 52, and notice verse number 33 where it speaks about Jehoiachin, changed his prison garments. Changed his prison garments. And with the Lord's help, we want to do a character study on this king, Jehoiachin. And we want to see what God does in his life when God changes his prison garments. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And thank you again for allowing us to be here tonight to open up your word. And we're asking that you would give us grace and that you would give us mercy. Lord, I admit to you that my mind is tired and weary. I'm not weary of the work. I'm just weary in the work. And I recognize my need of rest. But Lord, now's not the time. Now's the time for you to, with your spirit to you, to open up your word, for you to do a work, for you to do something as we trust you 
that you're a God that could change lives, that you could give encouragement when there seems to be no encouragement at all. I'm thankful that you're always at work and you're always doing something. Help us now, Lord, as we examine this this historical figure in the Bible and see how you worked a work in his days. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you don't mind, let's go back to the historical section. We're eventually coming back to Jeremiah 52. But turn with me in the meantime to the book of 2 Kings chapter number 24. 2 Kings chapter 24, and here's where we find the historical reign of Jehoiachin. Jehoiachin. 2 Kings chapter number 24. 2 Kings chapter number 24. We've been tracing through this lineage and the last good king that we hit was King Josiah. Now King Josiah uh, died and he, three of his sons took the um, throne. One of them is inside of the lineage of Christ that we had covered, Jehoiakim. And after Jehoiakim passed, his son Jehoiachin took the throne. We find this starting off in the book of 2 Kings chapter number 24. The book of 2 Kings chapter number 24. And if you don't mind, let's pick it up. Jehoiachin uh, reigning in verse number 6. 2 Kings 24. 2 Kings 24. Notice with me starting at verse number 6. So Jehoiakim slept with his fathers, and Jehoiachin, his son, reigned in his stead. And the king of Egypt came not any more out of his land, for the king of Babylon had taken the river of Egypt to the river Euphrates, and all that pertaineth to the king of Egypt." Jehoiachin was 18 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned in Jerusalem three months. And his mother's name was Nehushta, and the daughter of Elnathan of Jerusalem. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father had done. If you don't mind, we'll pause there. And I want to show you, first of all, as we examine his life, I want to show you a brief reign. A brief reign. Now again, as we get to these names, we want to make sure that we sort them out. That Jehoiakim in the Bible is the father. Jehoiachin is going to be the son who reigns after him. In the Bible, Jehoiachin is often called Koi, uh, Konea, Konea, uh, in the Bible, his sometimes short and abbreviated. But his father had passed away uh, after ruling for about 11 years. His son now takes the throne. Now, part of what uh, Jehoiakim had been doing is that he was trying to come up with a coalition of nations to stand against the Babylonians. The problem with that is that Jeremiah the prophet and other preachers had already been telling him that it is God's will for them to be put in captivity by the Babylonians. And that if they were to trust God, they were to submit to the reign of the Babylonians, even though they were evil, even though they were uh, wrong, even though they weren't saved, they weren't followers, they were doing more things that were wrong than even the Judeans were. However, this was God's plan and God had it organized and the people needed to trust God. Well, of course, as we read something about Jehoiachin and Jehoiakim rather, 
<coughs> is that he had no desire to follow after God. And so he started to put together a coalition and it was all backed by Egypt. So if you could think in your mind or a map of the world that you would have Babylon, which is modern day Iraq, where it's found between the Tigris and Euphrates River. And then you would find Egypt, which is at the very corner of Africa, and in between that is a host of nations, smaller nations. One of them would be Judah, the promised land. And so what Egypt was trying to do was trying to get a bunch of these nations together and say, hey, we got your back. Hey, you know what? We're going to be the big brother. You go ahead and stand up against the bully and say, you stop. We're not going to let you pass. And we'll stand behind you and cross our arms and we'll look big. And that sounded great and all, except that Egypt was pretty powerless. And all they were trying to do was get a bunch of nations to be a buffer between them and Babylon. They were scared of Babylon and they didn't want to fight. They wanted all these other nations to do the fighting for them. But they talked really big. Hey, yeah, you do it. We're going to be behind you. We've got you. And so Jehoiakim had attempted to put this coalition together. When he died, his son Jehoiachin said, you know what? That's a great idea. I'm going to go ahead and start doing this. Now, something about his reign is that it was brief. Notice with me in verse number eight. And Jehoiachin was 18 years old when he began to reign. And notice how long he reigned. He reigned in Jerusalem three months. That's not a lot of time. But you know, in that three-month period, it was pretty memorable. Notice with me the next verse in verse number nine. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. Now, let me tell you, how evil do you have to be in order for you to reign three months? And God says, man, that was evil. He was wrong. I mean, it wasn't a brief hiccup where he was there and gone. God says, no, he was evil. In those three months, he was evil and purposely did everything he could to go against God. That's a pretty declarative statement there. In three months time, you got God so aggravated with you because of your dad and because of you that got, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. Now remember that God had placed a curse on Jehoiakim, the father, because the father had killed a preacher because he got in his face, and he actually took the word of God, cut it up with a penknife, and threw it in the fire. And God says, nope, nope, nope. And so God put a curse on anyone who was blood-related to Jehoiakim and sat on the throne. Well, does Jehoiachin, is he blood-related? And did he sit on the throne? And did God keep his word? I'm done. I told you I was done. And I proved it. So Jehoiachin has no clue that God is planning on keeping his word. What he does is says, listen, I'm going to pick up this coalition. And so he, three months, is, he puts it together. It's not enough time to prepare, but he thinks he's ready. He's 18 years old. I could go beat everybody up. Nobody can defeat me. No one can destroy me. So an 18-year-old punk kid leading this coalition, Nebuchadnezzar, there's nothing you could do about this. And Nebuchadnezzar said, well, let's change that mind. Notice with me in verse number 10. 
at that time, the servants of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came against Jerusalem and the city was besieged. Now remember the word besiege, how they did warfare in that time is that they would surround a city and not allow deliveries in or deliveries out. So farmland, no McDonald's, no Walmart, no quick trip, no gas. Whatever you had in your cupboards is all that you had. Now normally cities could withstand a, a siege eight, nine months. He reigned a total of three months. So he gets his coalition together. Nebuchadnezzar! You can't do anything to me. I, don't you know who I am? I'm untouchable. So Nebuchadnezzar comes over. And a very short amount of time surrounds the city. And verse number 12. And Jehoiachin, the king of Judah, went out to the king of Babylon. He and his mother and his officers. And, and the king of Babylon took him the eighth uh, year of his reign. So the eighth year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, not Jehoiakim's. So Jehoiakim makes this big noise, big 18 year old, full of pride. There's nothing you could do about me. And then Nebuchadnezzar says, oh yeah, brings his whole army, surrounds the city, and he goes, um, maybe that wasn't such a bright idea after all. So in order to kind of spare the city, he actually did something noble. He walked outside the city and surrendered. I'm sorry. I, I, I apologize. And Nebuchadnezzar said, cool, you're captured. Your mother's captured. Your wife's captured. Your brothers are captured. In fact, he took 10,000 people. He took all the princes. He took all the intelligent people. He took all the wealthy people. In this thing, in 605 BC, Nebuchadnezzar takes Mordecai we find in the book of Esther. He takes Ezekiel that we find in the book of Ezekiel. He takes Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He takes Daniel. He takes all of these people all at once. So here's Daniel and his three friends, teenagers. Why are they going to Babylon? Because of a punk 18-year-old kid full of pride, hated God, thought he could do it himself, opened his mouth, and got in trouble. And now Daniel and his three friends are taken away. Now you say, that punk kid. Well, can you also see that God has his hand here? Didn't God say that they needed to surrender to the Babylon, Babylonians? By the way, he accomplished all of this in three months. Three months he ticked off God. In three months he ticked off Nebuchadnezzar. Three months he lost his kingdom. That's pretty impressive reign then. It was brief, but that, that's pretty impressive. I meant, how long do you really need to mess up a country? It didn't take long, did it? And so Nebuchadnezzar took all of these things, took 10,000 people, took Jehoiachin, and put him into captivity. Which brings me to the second thing. Brought to captivity. So we start with his brief reign. And then we come to brought to captivity. Now Jehoiachin was placed in captivity. But his uncle, Zedekiah, became the king. He was actually called Matthias. But Nebuchadnezzar says, you know what? Just to prove that I have control over you, I'm not going to conquer your kingdom now, but I'm going to put you in charge. You now answer to me. And to prove that you answer to me, I'm changing your name. And you could only be called by Zedekiah now just to prove that you work for me. Now, 
Zedekiah was so unpopular during his reign that most people still considered Jehoiachin, who had only reigned three months, who was now in a prison cell in Babylon, they considered him king. So again, how unpopular do you have to be that most people are saying, not my king, the guy who was dismissed from office, that's the guy I'm rooting for, not this guy. As you can see, it's kind of a messed up country right now. There's a lot of things going on. But God never leaves us without hope. As Jeremiah's life and ministry are fading from view, we're left here with destruction. We're left with ministry, uh, misery. Jerusalem is destroyed in about 20 years after this event. Jerusalem's destroyed. The temple is destroyed. Five different captivities come. Nebuchadnezzar five different times takes people away until the poorest of the land is left. Others flee to Egypt in disobedience, still don't want to obey God. And they're refusing to obey what God has given them to do, thinking that Egypt is going to save them. By the way, Egypt did not save them. The land becomes barren and it now belongs to someone else. But this is not where God leaves the story. Here we could see that there's a glimmer of hope that God is in control. So we start with a brief reign. Then we talk about that he was brought to captivity. But now as we turn to Jeremiah 52, I want to give you a backstory. I want to show you what's going on. Now, during this time... Jehoiachin is in a prison cell inside of Babylon. And he's there for quite a while. But it just so happens that there's some other things going on. In the book of Daniel, we're not going to turn there. Nebuchadnezzar actually has a chapter in the Bible that he wrote. Imagine that. The king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. And in this chapter, he talks about, you know, I thought I was the greatest of all. No one could stop me. I'm considered the king of kings. Everyone worships me. But then I had a preacher come and warn me that, hey, listen, if you start acting full of pride, God's going to bring you down low. Make sure that you don't act full of pride. It's all right, Daniel. I've got this. Well, he ignored the thing. And one day he said, listen, how great am I? How wonderful I am. And God says, nope. And he made Nebuchadnezzar the king of the world into an animal. Didn't transform him physically, but he lost his mind. Here he is without clothes on, eating grass out in the backyard. How would you like that? You go outside and say, what happened to our king? I mean, he just lost his mind. He's outside. The dew is on his back. He's been outside all day. The uh, a dude on his back and he's out there munching on grass and... Everyone gets to pet him, take him for walks. I mean, he's lost his mind. Well, he can't rule during this time. So what happens that Nebuchadnezzar's son, who has a cool name if you like names, his name is Evil Merodach. Evil Merodach. So his name's Evil. That's first name. Evil Merodach. And Evil Merodach becomes temporary uh, ruler of Babylon. But... 
He doesn't do a good job. He's cruel. He's mean. He gets back at people. He gets at grudges. And it doesn't go well. Well, when Nebuchadnezzar got his mind back, and by the way, now he's humbled and says, you know what? There's only one God. Let me tell you, there's one God. You need to listen to that God. I may be king, but he's boss of me. And he learned his lesson. And when he becomes king again, he looks around and sees all the damage that his son, evil Merodach, did. And Nebuchadnezzar, who is not a forgiving man himself, throws his own son in prison for all the crimes that he did as king. And you said, well, what is this coming to? Well, he happened to have a jail mate next door to him by the name of Jehoiachin. And Jehoiachin and evil Merodach became friends in prison. And they hung out with each other in prison and talked with each other behind the bars and the rooms of the dungeons where they were at. And they became friends. But you see, God is still working. And God has a plan. We started with a brief reign. And then we see that he was brought to captivity. Now we get a backstory. Now, as we come back to Jeremiah 52, I want to show you this Babylonian save. This Babylonian save. Notice with me in Jeremiah 52. And now, at this time, notice with me in verse 31. And it came to pass in the 7th and 30th year of the captivity of Jehoiachin. How long has he been in prison? 37 years. Now, he was 18 when he reigned. How long did he reign? Three months. Now he's been in prison almost twice as long as he's been alive. This is his life. After being put in prison for 37 years, do you really have any hope of getting out? Probably not. But in the 37th year of the reign... In the twelfth month, in the five year, uh, five and twentieth day of the month, that evil Merodach, king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar's died. Guess who's now king? Evil Merodach. Evil Merodach, in the first year of his reign. So notice the one of the first things that evil Merodach did when he became king, as he lifted the head of Jehoiachin, king of Judah, and brought him forth out of prison. You never know what God is doing. He thought it was hopeless. Do you think that he was getting humbled down while he was in prison? Do you think he may have recognized that, you know, maybe I shouldn't have told God that I didn't need him. Maybe I shouldn't have cheered my dad on when my dad was tearing up the Bible. By the way, Jehoiachin was present for that event when his dad was ripping up the Bible and throwing it. And he's like, yeah, dad, you tell him. You don't let God tell you what to do. He's probably like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that. And now after 37 years of being in prison, evil Merodach brings him out of prison. And verse 32, and spake kindly to him and set his throne above the throne of the kings that were with him in Babylon. What evil Merodach did is he released Jehoiachin and said, listen, you're a king. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to allow you to keep the title. You can't go back to Jerusalem. You can't rule there. But I'm going to allow you to have the title of a king. And I'm going to treat you different. He says, verse 33, and he changed his prison garments 
And what did he put on? The robe of a king, the robe of a title. And he did continually eat bread all the days of his life. And as for a diet, there was a continual diet given to him of the king of Babylon every day, a portion until the day of his death, all the days of his life. So here is Jehoiachin. He is deserving of punishment. Did he deserve punishment? Absolutely. But did not a person who was a king give him grace and forgive him from the punishment he deserved? And when he forgave him of the punishment that he deserved, he took off his prison garment and he robed him in a brand new garment. Isn't that wonderful? By the way, this is exactly what Jesus Christ did for us. You understand that we're sinners and we're deserving of a punishment. And without a doubt, we're deserving of that punishment. But out of his grace and mercy, he lifted us up. And made it so we don't have to pay the price anymore. He paid it for us. He forgave us. And not only did he forgive us, he changed our garment. And put on a different garment. Instead of a garment that walked that orange jumpsuit that everyone could say, he's a prisoner, he's a prisoner. He took that off and put on a royal garment. What a wonderful thing that Jesus Christ did. You know, this is an illustration that is put all throughout the Bible. May I show you an instance? Turn with me to the minor prophet book of Zechariah. The minor prophet book of Zechariah. If you're in Jeremiah, you're in the major prophets. Zechariah is part of the minor prophets. Zechariah chapter number 3. Zechariah chapter number 3. One of the last books in the Old Testament. And in the book of Zechariah in chapter number 3, Zechariah the prophet is getting a vision from God to try to illustrate what God wants to do for his people. And in this incident, he's using the high priest of Zechariah's time, Joshua the son of Jehoshadak, as an illustration in this vision that God is giving Zechariah. Notice with me in Zechariah chapter 3. Zechariah chapter number 3. And notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse 1. Zechariah chapter 3 in verse 1. And he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, Satan at his right hand to resist him. So what we have is a trial going on. Joshua is on, on trial. He's guilty. And there is a prosecuting attorney there called Satan. And Satan is accusing Joshua, or Joshua of all of his wrongdoings. By the way, is Joshua a sinner? Yes. And Satan is honestly accusing him of things that he did. He doesn't have to make things up. By the way, Satan doesn't have to make things up to accuse us. We're guilty enough on our own. Verse number two, And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan, even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is this not a brand picked out of the fire? So here we could see that there is also an advocate, a lawyer. By the way, the book of First John chapter 2 says that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And Jesus Christ is saying, listen Satan, I know that you make this accusation, but he is forgiven of his sins, not guilty. The charge is dismissed. 
Aren't you glad for that? Because of Jesus dying for us. He forgave us of all of our sins. But notice it wasn't done there. Verse number 3. Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments that stood before the angel. Again, this is a picture. The Bible talks about in Isaiah that all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. What is a filthy rag? Well, in those days they had people called lepers. And leprosy was a dreaded disease, not because it made your limbs fall off. However, you did have open sores that would seep with pus all the time. And as you would bandage up those open sores so they wouldn't get infected, that pus would drain on that, that, um, that bandage. And when you would take it off and set it there, what would happen to the bandage? It would become crusty and nasty and smelly and icky. And the Bible says that all of your righteousness, all of your good deeds, all of your best is like this filthy rags compared to God's perfection. That's the best you can do is that filthy, nasty rag. And in this picture, here's Joshua that is clothed in filthy garments, which is representing the best Joshua can do. The best he could do is filthy and nasty compared to God. By the way, that's true of you too. You know, you've never had a sin-free day. If you have, I want to meet you. What do you mean by that? Have you ever had a day where you never lost your temper? Have you ever had a day where you never told a white lie? Have you ever had a day where you did not get aggravated at someone or get mad in your mind or imagine something or think about something you're not supposed to. You understand? We're sinners every day of our life. So the best we could come up with is filthy and dirty and not perfected, not holy because we don't have the ability of ourselves. The best we have is filthy rags. But notice what happened. Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. He's guilty, physically guilty in this image. Verse number four. And he answered, the Lord answered and spake to those that stood before him. Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee. And I will clothe thee with a change of raiment. Oh, aren't you glad that God did that for us? That the best we have is filthy rags. And he took away my filthy garments. And he robed me in clean white linens. I am now dressed as a child of the king. I'm now put as royalty. When all I was was a filthy, rotten sinner who could do nothing right. Jesus changed my garments. He took me out of the prison rags. The thing that identified me as a sinner. And he clothed me with the cleanness of Jesus Christ. He robed me in his righteousness. Verse number 5. And I said, let them set a fair miter upon his head. You say, what in the world is this? A miter is a Middle Eastern hat that would signify that this was someone who was supposed to work. Uh, it's a headgear that would represent a plan of service. So notice this. Not only did he take off his prison garments... And he put on clean robes, showed that he was a king. He also said, here is a head garment here to show everyone 
that you have a service to do. You're not useless. You have purpose. I have a desire to use you. I have something to do for you. Verse number five. And I said, let them set a fair mitre on his head. So they set a fair mitre on his head and clothed him with the garments. And the angel of the Lord stood by. Oh, what a wonderful picture that God did historically with Jehoiachin. Jehoiachin was guilty. He was deserving of prison. He had aggravated God and aggravated the king, of, the biggest king at the time. And he couldn't beat him. So he's in prison. He should have died. But instead he was put in prison. He was put in prison for a long time, 37 years. But God had a plan and God hadn't forgot about him. How easy it would be for us to kind of wipe someone away. Nope. 37 years is a long time. Set him aside. Forget about him. But God had never forgot about him. And he had watched him the whole time and put up a plan that even though he was guilty, he said, listen, I love you and I want to forgive you. I want to give you a change of garment. And he took off his prison garments and he put on the clothes of a king. And was given a title. And was given respect. And fed him all the days of his life where he didn't have any lead. He didn't have anything that lacked. He was taken care of. What a beautiful historical picture of exactly what Jesus does for us. Which brings me to a question. A very important question. Have you ever came to the place where you went to Jesus and admitted to Jesus, I'm a sinner and I'm wrong. I deserve punishment. I am guilty. I'm clearly guilty. Has there ever been a time where you asked God for God's forgiveness and he forgave you and something happened to you? He took off your filthy garments and he put on the clothes of precious white of righteousness. Have you ever been saved? Has there been something that happened in your life where you were changed? Let me tell you that if you've never had gotten forgiveness of God. If you've never allowed him to change your garments. Let me tell you the greatest thing that can happen today. Is for you to receive that forgiveness of all of your sins. And it's nothing you can do. Because all of you, you can do is filthy rags. It's all what Jesus Christ did. And he's offering it to you. If you're willing to accept that pardon. He's willing to forgive you. Change your prison garments. And give you something different. For those of you who are saved, may I give you some encouragement? You don't know how God is working. God allowed evil Merodach, who's not saved, to be put in prison just so he could come in contact with Jehoiachin. And when evil Merodach became king, he said, I'm going to bring out my friend. I'm going to bring him out of prison. God arranged that. God set that in order. You may be at the place where you say, I feel hopeless. I don't know how it's going to work out. May I say that God knows how he's going to work it out? He may do it in the most unusual way possible, but he's already has a plan in action. It wasn't something at year 37 God said, well, I think I'm going to do something. No, God had already had things in action for years and years and years. He already had a plan. He was already working. He already knew what he was doing. Let me tell you that there is hope. No matter how hopeless the situation. It could be that God has already has something in place right now. That he's working on that impossible prayer that you're working on. The thing that you're praying for. The thing you're desperate. The thing you say it's impossible. Let me tell you nothing is impossible with God.
that you could trust him. He's already working. And he's able to change your prison garments. He's able to work the impossible in your life. He's already at work. So the question is for you, dear friend, can you trust him? Can you trust him with your salvation? Can you trust him with your life? Can you trust him with your impossible situation? Can you trust him? Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you. Thank you.